If you came here today expecting somebody young and tall standing up here, I'm sorry to disappoint you. You got somebody old and short. In fact, the, this is just about right height for me right there. This is good. For those of you who don't know who we are, my name is Mike Moore, and uh, my wife Marilyn and I are Cindy's parents and Casey's in-laws. In fact, we went to Disneyland was it last year? Two years ago? Two years ago. And it's all we could do to keep Casey out of It's a Small, Small World. So I think he might have picked that one out. So good job, Casey. Um, I, Pastor Scott normally has this little iPad jobber up here, and I'm going to try to advance the slides on my own. Life on Mission, we've been going through that, but I want to tell you a little bit about the story behind the picture. How many of you have enjoyed that scenery? looking over the edge of that I-beam down about 84 stories to the bottom down there. Well, this was actually, I'm going to see if I can make this work. Didn't work. Okay. Someone's going to have to help me there. I'm going to put this aside. Okay, so this was actually taken on an I-beam above New York City. A bunch of iron workers were there. It really, they had to, in those days, they actually had to Photoshop some stuff in there. They put a few buildings in New York City so some of the modern-day people nowadays would recognize it. One more slide. <clears throat> it was actually a part of Life magazine. And after they took this shot, these guys really just wanted to wave at the camera. Next one. So they're all waving at the camera. And what do you do after you have lunch, after you wave at the camera? What do you want to do? Next slide. Take a nap. So they all went down for a nap. But the next day they thought, you know, this is so much fun. Let's have family day on the I-beam. Next slide. So does it look like, hang on a minute here. There's a few, and I didn't do this, but does that look like, whoop, whoa, okay. That works. How about that? Well, we're not going to forget that one then. Forward. This is going to be fun. No, keep going. Oh, back up. Back Right there. The guy hanging from the I-beam, who's that look like? Robert Bordner. What's he doing there? And that guy right in the middle looking at his iPad. Who's that? That's Pastor Scott. Now, I didn't take that picture. I don't know what happened, but next slide. Okay, life on mission. That's where we have been. And the whole idea is taking the word of God and making it come alive and active in my life and in my neighborhood and to where God calls me. Now, go to the next slide. This is going to be the focus of our time together here. The whole idea of a compass. Now, a compass. What's that used for? Direction, okay? And the, the thing behind it we also use for that too. So nowadays, we'll use a map. And what else will we use? Okay, we'll use a little GoPro or not a GoPro, but a Garmin or something like that. Those are almost antiques now. Now we use what? Cell phone. But what's the most important one to use? <laughs> there you go. Now, some people have thought that the Egyptian, that the uh, Israelites spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness because the guys didn't ask their wife for directions. You've heard that one before, haven't you? So, next one. Okay, but the whole idea is this compass within. And we were living in a world that seems to be directionless. 
we, we go to the internet for our compass. Ugh. We listen to, well, maybe you don't, Oprah or Dr. Phil or read the horoscopes or whatever, but those are going to always leave us way short. And there is that compass within. Some animals have that compass. They'll go for thousands of miles in their migration and always find their way back home. And sometimes... Just being relatively new to Chelan, although I grew up in Wenatchee, spent many vacation times here in Chelan. Marilyn and I have been gone for about 45 years, come back in October. Did you know that Chelan has changed in the last 45 years? (laughs) Man, I get lost going to Safeway. But this compass within is that sense of internal direction. How do I know where to go, what to do, what to say? How do I find that anchor so that I can go out and come back safely? Next slide. Our theme today is Colossians 3.16. So would you open your Bibles to Colossians 3.16? I know it's up on the screen. But this is... This is a time when the church gathers around the Word. So if you don't have your Bible, there should be a, one in the, in the pew back in front of you that's there. <laughs> Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is... This is not supposed to be a standalone verse. It comes in the much larger context of Colossians chapter 3. But today I want to let it it stand as that reference point so we can have that compass within. If there's ever a time that we needed a compass within for our culture, for our country, uh, yesterday at our men's breakfast uh, that we had, Uh, We were talking about some things about the Christian values that our country was started upon. We've tended to shift a bit, wouldn't you think? There is a a, a sense in which our country and our culture today needs to have that internal compass. And we, as a church, are that light going back to our culture. Now, what I've done, uh, can you back it up one slide, please? Oh, okay. Uh, that's different than what I thought. Okay, but go ahead and go, go to the number one. On your front part of your, of your bulletin, right, of your little sermon note page, you've got the little outline that I've got for you there. You've got the command and the conclusion and the, what's the third one? Condition, Condition okay. We're going to have, it's not that I don't know what they are. I just haven't got them to them yet in my notes. But, but they're all sitting right there. And what I'd like to do is then we spend the rest of the outline on both sides, filling that back in. And I would hope that when we're done, this is is going to be a time where we can get some nuts and bolts, some tools, in order to be able to get some really good stuff out of the Word when you read it on your own. So it's meant to be a little small piece of paper. You can tuck it away in your Bible. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to start with the third one, with the second one, first and here's the reason why if you look at that passage where it says teach in fact put the next one up too please there you go we're breaking it down the command the conclusion and the condition the command is let the word of Christ dwell in you richly the conclusion is it's teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and the condition is singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God 
There's some modifying words. When I was in high school, I hated English. Do I have any kindred spirit in here? One, two, three. Okay, well, bless your hearts. I just did not do well with English. When I went to seminary, they expected me to know parts of speech. What a noun was, what a verb, what an adverb was, what a participle was. Oh, my goodness, I thought I graduated from that stuff. But it's really important. In English, the words that end in ing are usually participles and they modify a word. Now, what does that mean? Let me show you why. Because this word teaching there in, under conclusion and down number three, the singing, are all part of modifying. What does it mean to let the word of Christ richly or dwell within you richly? We're going to unpack that this morning. What I'd like to do, I want to start with the second one. So let's go to the second one there conclusion. Now in your notes, it's just a blank C right there. It'll say number two, you write in the word conclusion, and it has to do with teaching and admonishing one another. This is how God works through you. God can work through you as you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The first thing it says, and, and what, it's going to be able, what you're going to be able to comprehend here, is that teaching and admonishing one another. This word teaching simply means to give instruction or to explain the truth. Explain the truth. You might think, well, Pastor Scott uh, can do that. And uh, Dave Coldy teaches a Sunday school class, and, and uh, other people lead different Bible studies around here, and you kind of delegate that to somebody else. As you let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, I read in my Bible that anyone who does that, one of the natural outflows, you'll be able to teach others. Teaching, and this doesn't mean you have to get up there and stand up in front and have a weird piece of wire hanging off your ear and all that kind of stuff. You can simply over a cup of coffee. Go over to the Vogue and say hey to Tyler and then, and then hang out with somebody and just sit down with your Bible and say, what has God been teaching you? And we're going to talk about how to, let, how to let the word of Christ dwell on you richly toward the end of our time here. But one of the results is you'll be able to explain the word of God. If ever there was a time that our culture needed someone to explain truth to them. It's now. It is so now. Our source of truth is the Word of God dwelling in us richly. We don't have to know it all, but I can grow. A person doesn't have to go to Bible college, although that's not bad. But you don't have to go to Bible college. We can still grow in the knowledge of the Word. You may feel like you have, like you, you might feel like you have some Bible smarts, or maybe you don't. But you're here, and you're now, and you're sitting across from a neighbor, a coworker, someone at school, and they're talking about something, and you just might say, well, you know, this morning I was reading, or in my Sunday school class, or in the church, or on the radio, or some other place where you happen to hear some biblical truth, or just in your own time of reading, I read, the Bible says, ta-da-ta-da, and you just explain what it means. You don't have to know all the answers, you don't have to know Greek and Hebrew and all that. Just explain what it means. Scripture says that that will be important. we got to get the truth out. God will plant it into their hearts. Simply explain the truth. It doesn't have to be arrogant or I don't even have to be confident. I have to be open and teachable. Now the next one, the next word in there is that, click it over, next. Next. Okay. Keep going. We're, I'm ahead of that. Sorry. Okay, admonishing. That's one of those words that some of us go Ugh, at. 
admonishing. All right, I'm going to do a poll. How many of you like it when you get admonished? Raise your hand. I'm putting my hand down. Admonishing is one of the things I don't care. I don't care for. Well, let's take a deeper look at what that is. It's one of those words that's sort of like, man, it's in your face. It sounds like I'm being scolded. But actually, the Greek word simply means to be, to put it in someone's mind gently with warning. To put it in someone's mind gently with warning. So let's take a look at that. They're doing some construction to the road over there uh, just above the golf course, over by the golf course. They're putting a new sewer line and everything. I saw a sign, one of those orange triangular signs says, motorcycles use extreme caution. You might have seen that. Why would they say that? Well, there's gravel and there's rough edges and so forth. No one on a motorcycle coming around a corner wants to catch a bunch of gravel. Now, that's a warning sign. Do you cringe at that when somebody warns you? Do you think, oh, they're being awful stern. I don't, like, I don't like that one. Or how about this one? Slow down, dangerous curves ahead. You see a sign, you're new to the area, dangerous curves ahead, slow down. Do you feel like you're being scolded when that sign popped up in front of you? Huh, I'm thankful the highway department put that one up. Here's one. Slippery when wet. Oh, now I'm being scolded. No, those are all warning signs. Those are signs that are giving me danger ahead, take action. God says that when we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, we will be able to explain the truth to others and be able to confidently warn them in that way. Now, the whole idea of of, uh, warning doesn't have to be uh, harsh or in your face. In Acts 20.31, and that, oh, it's already up there. In Acts 20.31, the Apostle Paul says, Remember that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. It wasn't fun for him. It wasn't easy for him. And he said, you know, there's a point where we're going to reap the consequences of our lifestyle if we keep this up. And he's warning them. He's putting that into their mind. And he wasn't going there with a chip on his shoulder and says, you're going to flip or fry. You're going to turn or burn. He didn't come across harsh like that. He was weeping with them and encouraging them to come back and to walk rightly with God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so that we'll be able to do teaching and admonishing one another. But I don't know how to do that. That's just, that's way beyond me. The next phrase in that passage is in all wisdom. Literally, it means to be clear and precise. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so that we'll be able to grow in our wisdom. One might think, oh man, what if they don't listen to me? What if I can't answer all their questions? My role is not to determine the outcome. My role is simply to graciously explain what I've learned from God's word and warn them graciously of the consequences to come. As I let the word of Christ richly dwell in me, I will grow in my ability to explain and to warn others. There will be times as you boldly step forward in that. In fact, I'm waiting to hear what's going to happen. The other night, there was a young lady that Marilyn and I were talking to, and she says, you know, I really feel called by God to go talk to one of my neighbors. But I've lived there for a while, and I just feel a little awkward doing that. And I I feel embarrassed. So Marilyn and I prayed for her. And I'm hoping that when she comes back this week, next week, a couple weeks from now, she will sense that God's strength 
has come forward. She's been able to get to know them. And some good stuff has really begun to happen from that as God would let his word richly dwell within her. I'm excited to hear what God is going to be doing in people's lives as a result of that. Now, this is how God works through us. The next one, number three, is the condition. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is number three. Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly so that we will be able to do this. Now, the operative words there are singing and with thankfulness. And this is a little easier said than done. Folks, this is not church talk. This is not meant just for Sundays. This is meant for tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. Let's unpack this just a little bit. Okay, let's, let's set up a realized scenario. So you set your garbage out, and our garbage pickup's on Tuesday morning. So you set our garbage out on Monday night. We get up on Tuesday morning, and there's our garbage can in a horizontal position. And everything that we've thrown away for the past week is strewn all over the roadway. Plastic and stuff that you wouldn't recognize but used to be food and junk. And it's sticky and goopy and it's all over there. And it's nasty and it's messy. Now maybe a dog or maybe a bear or just the wind had have knocked it over. How does that apply to what you saw at your window? You look out your window, you see your garbage can like that. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Well, maybe. Who knows? Maybe you'd meet your neighbor in an opportunity to help them pick up their garbage. I'm, uh, I'm helping out Casey with a couple of projects. And I'll tell you one thing. I told Casey the other day, working for him has definitely increased my prayer life. <laughs> I was replacing a water faucet the other day over at one of the places, and there's a hot, hot side and a cold side, and the hot faucet leaks, so you turn the handle and it doesn't always turn off. So I pulled that out, pulled the little inside of the valve out, and had to replace that. Well, I had the valve for the hot water side turned off. Okay, that's good. So when I turn the cold water side, what's supposed to happen? That's just supposed to come out the faucet. Shot straight up out the hot water hole. Water up all... I didn't tell you about this, Casey. But water everywhere, all over the mirror. And now, it's supposed to have just been cleaned. All right? Water's everywhere. The floor, the sink, the cabinet, and everything else. (sighs) Well, I figured... Come thou fount of every blessing. Now, I will admit to you that wasn't the first words out of my mouth. But there are times where God can pull off wondrous, miraculous things. You come out of Walmart and there's a big scrape in the side of your car just in front of the big dent. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Now, oftentimes, we're not going to put on a concert in a Walmart parking lot. But the idea is that because we're letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly, there can be a lightheartedness to the experiences that we come across in life, especially when it comes to the part where it says, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, you don't sit there and say, well, boy, God, I am so thankful for that big scratch in the side of my car. But you can give thanks that maybe something good's going to happen out of it. I heard a story one time where a guy had a scratch in his car, or a dent, I'm a dent, I mean. He goes, and as he goes into the body shop to get a fix, he leads the body shop guy to Christ. 
Without that dent in his car, he would have never had the opportunity to make contact with that fellow. Sometimes things happen. I don't know why they're happening. I may not ever know why they're happening. I am to be obedient in that. I may not be putting on that concert out there, but God's word is to transform me. And if anything, if you'll just teach me, if I'll just learn to give Thank, to give thanks, and it says in my heart. It's not a public thing. Nobody's going to know that I'm doing that. It's not for show. It's genuine. I may not feel thankful, but I am to give thanks. Try, just try it. Try that sometime. The next time something happens that you don't like. Now, for those of you who are in the, Bible, the men's Bible study that Dennis has been leading, you know I've been working on this. Uh, because sometimes when something goofy happens, I have this alternate word. Oh, buzzard breath. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a praiseworthy comment. So guys, I'm going to change that. I am going to give thanks if he'll just help me to remember to do that. Uh, I'm still, I'm a work in progress here. Um, There were times where in my past, one of my worst, I don't want to call it vice, but maybe a vice. One of my worst problems I've had to deal with my entire life is my anger. And I'm not going to look at my wife and my daughter right now because they might be nodding their heads yes. (laughs) But God's had to deal with me on that. And there have been some passages in Scripture that God has used to help reorient that. Now, have I made it? Have I conquered anger yet? No. Marilyn says I haven't quite got there yet. She's gracious. She's incredibly gracious. But there are times where only the Word of God can change that. Have I been able to muster up this anger control thing on my own? It ain't worked for 60 some odd years. It hasn't worked. So there's a a point of surrender. I think there's a little victory that's been achieved, but there's going to be a lot more that's going to happen. So I'm going to try it. And here's what I'm going to suggest that we do. I'm going to do this. I've done these kind of things before. Make a deal with God. And if... There's, a time, there's an issue that you're dealing with. Ask God for some scripture that you can meditate on related to that. For instance, James 1, 19 and 20. This you know, my brethren, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Write that on a three by five card and make a deal with God. The next time that I'm tempted, the next time I'm at that crossroad of getting angry, let God remind me. And as he reminds me that I'm at that juncture, whip out that three by five card, read it three times out loud. Now, I've done that in the past, but did you know that wasn't a permanent fix for anger? There's points where I can be doing better at that. So I'll write down that verse in my own handwriting. Now that's going to work out great until you're in the middle of a fight with your kids or your spouse and you're just angry and God goes, remember our deal? (laughs) Right in the middle of that, you've made the agreement. You pull out the three by five card and you start reading that out loud 
And I, you know, three times. It's less than, it's more than once and less than a hundred, okay? I just picked three. Uh, Out loud. It, It appeals to more of my sensory data. But that's letting the word of Christ dwell in me richly so that I'll be able to have a life characterized by psalms and hymns and thankfulness in my heart to God. Romans, uh, we'll go there in just a moment. Okay, so that's the whole idea of how God works through us and how God works in us. Now let's go, turn your papers over, we'll go to the next one. The next one is the command. Let the word of Christ, Christ dwell in you richly. This is the point at which the, kind of the, the, the workhorse comes out. Now that makes great Sunday talk. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. But how? Let's unpack this just a little bit. First of all, what's the, what's the word of Christ? In John 15, 7, uh, 7 through 11, it's not up on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. John 15, 7 through 11. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. All right, so let's just put a pause there. I want to sense God's love. So does Glenn. Either that or he's telling me to turn my mic off. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Um, I want to sense God's love. Now, I'm a guy, okay? Guys, they're rough and tough and so forth. That's rough, tough. That's just a shell. We want to sense God's unconditional love. I was driving out of seminary one day, and I was... I was getting a master's degree in a Bible seminary, headed for a lifetime of ministry, and Marilyn and I were on the verge of divorce. We didn't like each other. We were irritating each other. Um, Probably one of the most unhappy times of Cindy and her brother's life, Case uh, David, they just, it was a, you know, if you have any memories about that, but it was not a good time for our family at all. And one day, driving out of seminary, there was this point where God just overwhelmed me with a sense of his love. Mike, I love you. Now, I've never heard God's, word with my, God's voice with my ears. It's always in my spirit. And he says, Mike, I love you. And this is this overwhelming sense of peace and that I wasn't alone. It just came upon me. And so that you're not left hanging. Yeah, Marilyn and I did work it out and we didn't get divorced, okay? So 45 years later, here we are. But I want to have a sense of his love. That comes through abiding in his word. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Yeah, who? I want that sense of joy. I, I want to do that, even if it's raining outside. Which, by the way, is good. That's a, that's a good thing. Uh, unless you're riding, unless Tyler's riding his bicycle, that may not be so good. But uh, joy. I want that joy. And I want to get so full of God's joy that I leak. And others catch it. Reuben, you're a good example of that. 
Don't shake your head no, man. I'm telling you the truth. But here it is, is that, that as we abide in his love, this is what he will do. Let's read in our, uh, as we look at this, I, I know that we've got a regular schedule, but I, if you haven't started, or you're not now on a Bible reading plan of some kind, I so encourage you to try. Start with the very beginning of something. Read it all the way through, and we're going to get more into this. But literally, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, this word dwell in you, it means to inhabit it, to inhabit or to take up residence, to be at home. Let me ask you the question, how much at home in you, how much at home in me is God's word? Does it seem foreign to me when I read it? Does it seem odd to me when I come across a passage that says, love your wife like Christ loved the church? Uh, How much at home is it? I need to let it be there. Part of it is the more regularly it's there, the more at home it feels. (laughs) Six years ago, we bought a house over here by the golf course, and we've been renting it out. So it's been our house well it's been God's house but he's let us make the payments on it uh, for six years but we just moved into it in October and what's making it feel more like it's our home is that we're spending time there the more God's word has a chance to spend in you on an intentional basis the more at home it will be dwelling in us richly. That word richly means copious or abundant and it's used in reference to the rich man. The rich man is not someone who's got two nickels to rub together. The rich man has got a copious amount of nickels to rub together. Abundant amount to rub together. So let's, let's go to, we're right up here on Take It Home. On the Take It Home page, What I do at the end of every one of my messages is that I want to give us something we can take home and put shoe leather to. The first one is read. Read your Bible, and I'm going to suggest two to four chapters every day. How long does it take us to do that? Fifteen minutes. Oh my goodness, what a waste of time throughout the day. I don't have time to spend 15 minutes out of 24 hours reading God's word. Oh, come on. 15 minutes. And I would just, this is just a suggestion. Carve it in. Make an, an uncancelable appointment with God. I guess we missed yesterday morning, didn't we? Okay. Morning or evening, whenever it's good for you. Some people are morning people, some people are evening. But read your Bible, two to four chapters every day. Start with the beginning. If you want to start with Genesis, go to Genesis. Or start with the book of Psalms, go to the book of Psalms. You don't have to understand every word you read the first time through. You may go through that a bunch of times. And some of you who are already doing that, have you ever come across a passage you've read a hundred times before and all of a sudden, it opens up to you? Wow! I never saw that there. It's been there since way before I was born. And I finally got it. So a few times through is going to help you get it. But in other words, you read it. And by the way, it is okay to speed read some sections. (laughs) But be careful in speed reading. 
because you're going to run over some beautiful stuff tucked away, even in the genealogies. Don't let your eyes glaze over as you speed over some sections. It's okay to speed read some of these things, and I know it can be a little bit laborious, but don't miss the good stuff hidden away in some of those little genealogical caverns as you read your way through. The second one is reflect. Reflect on God's word and ask yourself the question, is this being descriptive or prescriptive? Is this describing something the way that it was done or is it prescribing the way that it should be done? I'll give you an example. In Acts chapter 2, as the church was getting started, there was some phenomenal things that were going on. And there was a mixture of economic levels within the church. And there were some people that were coming into the church, they didn't even have two denarii to rub together. And there were some people that had lots of land and property and houses. And so they began to share with one another so that they would, everybody had their needs met. And it said in there that some of these rich people were selling their property or their tracts of land and bringing it to the apostles. And the apostles could distribute that to help out the people that were a little bit needy in their church. Was that descriptive or prescriptive? Descriptive. It was describing how they met a need. Now, it is prescriptive that we as a church body help out one another, but that passage is not prescribing how we have to do that. So you're not a sinner if you own real estate. Now, if God in your spirit says, put that sucker up for sale, you better be doing it. But look, ask yourself the passage. And if, you, if it is descriptive, what truth is, is, is impacted there for you to begin to pull out? Another one that I don't have up on the screen is that understand this. The Word of God, as God penned it through different human authors, there's one interpretation. Now, there's many applications, but he only meant one thing. For instance, Marilyn says, Honey, would you like to take out the garbage for me? I'm thinking... Was that a question about my likes and dislikes? Would I like to take out the garbage? And I'm sitting there with the remote control at the TV, and I'm going, not really. (laughs) Wrong answer. (laughs) I misinterpreted what she was saying to me, okay? When God speaks, he's not saying, okay, here's multiple choice. I could have meant this. I could have meant that. I could have meant this. I could have meant that. You pick one. No. He means one thing. One interpretation. Now, there's a process we have to understand from it. Part of it is saying, was it descriptive or prescriptive? But many applications, many ways that we can find an application from that. But just spend some time reflecting on that. Then there's a whole idea. The next one is reenacting. And we're going to spend some time on this as we begin to unpack this just a little bit. But the reenacting God's word. How do I put it into place in my life? Now, because there's kind of preacher running through my veins, I, if you've noticed so far, the read, reflect, and reenact, I'll come up with four Ps here. And this is the part that I want us to really catch. As you're reading your Bible, look for precepts. And that's a truth about God or life. Look for a truth 
uh, what, what are some truths you have discovered from God's word, just in sentence form? What have you discovered by reading God's word? What's the truth? God is love. God is love. Sovereign. Pardon me? Sovereign. God is sovereign. God is holy. Those are just a few small things that we can discover about God or life. I mean, it's much broader than just who God is, but the broad spectrum. Ask God. Give, help you understand some precepts. The next one, the precept, then it's the principle. A principle is a truth that has a cause and effect relationship attached to it. Here's one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's a principle. The precept was that God is love. The principle, the cause and effect relationship is that God's love caused him to intervene on our our sinful future with redemption through his son Jesus Christ. Look for principles as you read through Scripture. Many times, these precepts and these principles are going to be things that you hang on. Sometimes life is going to get, I don't know, in Shalane, does life ever get hard? It does. Of course, for every one of us it does. For a variety of reasons. Go back to some of those precepts and some of those principles that you have gleaned from God's Word and hang on those things. Hang on them. Let God strengthen you. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Precept, principle. Here's another one. Prohibition. And it is what in my life? Thought, attitude, words, actions, behavior, habits. What in my life does God want me to stop doing or avoid? Maybe I'm not doing it already, but he just wants to reinforce in me, stay away from that, avoid that. What are some things in my life that he wants me to stop or avoid? Deal with your anger, Mike. So I've got to look at that as a prohibition. Unrighteous anger is prohibited in Scripture. As I've read through uh, the Scripture that I see that, that's a project that I've got to work on or allow the Holy Spirit to work on as I submit to Him in that area. And then the last one is practice. What are some things in my life, attitude, action, thoughts, words, deeds, that He wants me to start or continue? And it may be as simple as, what does he want you to, what's a practice he wants you to start? Maybe you're reading through something in Scripture and you come across a passage where it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Be careful how you apply that one. There's a sense of tenderness and a sense of genuineness that's there. And they do things a little differently in the culture of the Middle East than maybe we do here. Uh, Marilyn has relatives in Switzerland. And we go to Switzerland, and we've met some of her relatives, and they walk up to you, men or women, they'll kiss you on the one cheek, and they'll kiss you on the other, and they'll kiss you on the other. I'm afraid they're going to stop in the middle, and I'm getting a little bit afraid of what's going on. So, but that's what they do. That's greeting one another with a holy kiss. Here, at, okay, handshake's good enough for me. So we do that. It, it doesn't, it's not so much that you have to go up and kiss everybody that you meet just because you're friendly with them. Anybody been to Russia? Casey has. How do men greet each other in Russia? 
I'm not going to ask Dennis to come up here and demonstrate because I like your brother, but I'm just going to shake your hand. <laughs> Give you a hug. Okay. And there's appropriate ways for doing that. But look for those things. Be friendly. Open up to people. Make, take the initiative. Those are the kind of things that it's talking about in that regard. We got a half hour left, don't we? We're supposed to be done by 10. We're going to be done before that, so you're going to owe Scott some extra time on another week. He's already taking it. Oh, dude. <laughs> the last one is rejoice in the victories. Now, you got a little spot on your outline for that, but this one here. Rejoice in the victories. There'll be times where maybe just one moment you've been tempted to just blow up in anger and God stepped in, he intervened, you read your little card and you read it three times out loud, you did what it says and you had victory over anger in that moment. Wow! Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It doesn't mean you're cured or it doesn't mean I'm cured. But rejoice in the victories. Allow God to know how thankful you are for when you have responded, when he has responded and shown you in your life, when you're just having a day that is like no other. You're down on the bottom, and then the bottom drops out. And God sends along your way a precept or a principle or another person who brings along an encouraging word from God. That's a victory where he has applied his word to your life and bore you up. Rejoice in that. Give thanks with a grateful heart in that regard. Uh, the last song we're going to sing today, I did not pick out to go with this last point. Uh, Stephanie picked it out, but she didn't know what my last point was going to be. And when I heard the worship band with this, I was so excited. Rejoice in the victories. God will give them to us as we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are so thankful for the promise of your word. And I pray that as each of us spend time in your word regularly, looking for those precepts, those principles, those prohibitions, and the practices, you'll reinforce and us ways that you work in us so that we can give thanks with a grateful heart so that we can teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and lord as you do we will rejoice in the victories thank you father for that confidence and the strength of your word in jesus name amen let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. There will be a potluck following the second service, and we invite you back for that. Have a blessed day.